When it comes to spiritual maturity, there are simply no shortcuts. We'll talk about it next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Great to be with you again, and welcome to Abounding Grace, online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed Taylor will be in John chapter 16, as well as James chapter 1 today. As Americans, we want our food quick and easy. We grow impatient on the freeways during rush hour, and so we often look for shortcuts to save us precious time. But today, we'll discover there really are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. So we need to be patient, committed, and content on the pathway to discipleship. Here's Pastor Ed to drive that home. Open your Bibles to two places, please. First in James chapter 1. And from James chapter 1, we will head to John chapter 16, the Gospel of John, as we continue our study verse by verse through the Gospel of John This section of John that we're looking at today reminds me of of the tendency we have in taking shortcuts. We all use shortcuts from time to time. I have shortcuts on my computer, different things I can use with the control or the alt or a different letter and it can get things done quick and get things done faster. There are shortcuts that I take when I'm driving around town. I mean, there's a specific shortcut I can take uh, when I'm coming from home to here. If I'm late to the office or I'm late to church, I can just hop on the 470 and it saves me about seven or eight minutes uh, to get to church if I need to. Now, I've been in Denver for 17 years now and I'm still kind of confused about the streets and such. So I don't have a lot of shortcuts around town, but I do know this. My tendency to get places faster or get places on time, uh, when I look up an address on Google, maybe you do the same thing, you look at all the different routes and you compare the time frames. And if one says 10 minutes and one says 8 minutes, you might be prone to take the 8 minute one because you want to get there on time. Shortcuts are not unfamiliar to us. So many times in life, we take shortcuts simply because we are impatient. Impatient. We want to accomplish more in the time that we have. You know, like in traffic, there's got to be a better way, a faster way, an easier way. And I find that that will often spill over into our relationship with Jesus Christ. But I believe that we've gathered together today for this time in this Bible study so that we would be reminded that there are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity in God. We're not going to get there any faster than God has ordained and God has allowed. There are no shortcuts with God. It's important that we follow His path, His way, His will, His timing. The Bible says that His thoughts toward us are good and not evil. That He has a purpose that He's working out in our lives And I would say that there's a purpose that God's working out in your life and in my life that's very unique and very individual. That there's a pathway of spiritual discipleship for you. Spiritual maturity that's 
unique to your life and your upbringing and your family and your circumstances and what God has allowed and even sent into your life. So to turn toward God and desire a shortcut will only lead to frustration, will only lead to anger perhaps, or a little bit of jealousy in our lives, which none of that is good. I mean, you could say that there are no shortcuts into coming into a relationship with Jesus. There's no other way to come into a right relationship with the God that loved you other than through Jesus Christ. His death, his resurrection, his ascension, his blood is the forgiveness of sins. There's no other way. Jesus said as much when he declared in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. No other way. No church can save you. No pastor can save you. No system of theology can save you. Jesus Christ alone is the author and the finisher of our salvation. And there are no shortcuts. There's no other way to get to God the Father in heaven other than through Jesus Christ. I do think it's easy to understand why we take shortcuts and want them. But it's important that we learn how to avoid them. And I believe the single most important area of life that would help us to be content and committed on the pathway of discipleship that God has ordained for us is to learn patience and to pray for it. You know, the Bible says that patience or long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. And lest we forget, in this Bible study that we've been on in the Gospel of John, specifically the last few chapters, chapter 14, chapter 15, and now chapter 16, they're known as the Olivet Discourse, where Jesus is up on the Mount of Olives, taking his disciples away to to train them, to prepare them for the worst days of their life. They don't yet know it. They don't yet have the, the fullness of how hard it will be, but they're getting there as we'll see in a moment. They're starting to grasp the reality of what Jesus is saying. Not so much, but getting closer little by little. It's important that we remember in the pathway of discipleship that patience comes through what Jesus taught us in John 15 in that abiding relationship. You can pray for patience. You can ask God to fill you with his spirit, to have more patience in life, with people in circumstances. Because as we walk in the Spirit, we'll have more long-suffering, more patience in our lives, and we'll learn to submit to the pathway of discipleship and spiritual growth that God has for us. Remember, the destination is not heaven for us. The destination is Christ-likeness. It's being conformed into His image, being less of ourselves and more of him. Living out the truth in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, that I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me, Paul declared. And the life that I now live, he says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the work of discipleship. The closer we are to the likeness of Jesus Christ, the farther we are from ourselves. And one of the greatest barriers 
One of the greatest barriers for us to embrace the work of God in our lives is impatience. I ask you to open to James chapter 1. Would you join me there in verse 2 as we gain insights from the Holy Spirit speaking through James on the importance of patience. Let me read to you first from the New Living Translation, James chapter 1, verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be strong in character and ready for anything. For many of us, we have the New King James open in our lap, and here's what it says there. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And if you like to write in your Bible, you can circle the word patience and write next to it endurance or perseverance. Or you could say the attitude of not quitting, but steadying on. Trials produce this attitude of staying strong, enduring, holding up under. Verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete. Again, if you'd like to circle those words, the idea behind that is mature. That you will be mature. And the goal of maturity is Christ-like. That you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Not only can we pray for patience, but the circumstances of our lives can develop and produce patience that wasn't there before. Can nurture that attitude of staying strong when everything in the world, the world system that we have, or everything in our flesh, or the specific demonic attacks of the spiritual realm bring you to a place of giving up and giving in. The Lord is doing a work. Because let's face it, among all the diversity and differences among us today, all of us in the room together, in a room this size with this many people, downstairs watching in the overflow or on the screens in the cafe, tuned in live to the radio, watching live on the internet, joining us on a radio station in somewhere in the country or even around the world, of all the diversity and all the differences of our background and our upbringing and who we were and what God, all of that, there's one thing that we certainly share in common, and that's this. We are all going to face difficulties in our lives. All of us. As the heat, get turn, the heat gets turned up hotter and hotter in our lives. Now, the different trials, the various trials, are different for each of us. They're unique to us. They're unique to our circumstances, our position, our role, our place in society, where God has placed us in the body. But we're all going to face them. Trials and testings, persecutions and pains, sorrows and sadness, gossip and slander. They all come our way. None of us will escape facing stuff in life in this sin-sick world. But this is often the place where we want to take a shortcut. This is the very place where we want out. And for good reason. None of us really want to face the things that we're facing. 
Okay, let's just be real right now. How many of you right now, arms really high, hands really high, are in the middle of a trial right now? Just arms really high. So just look around the room. You're not alone. You can put them down. How many of you have just come out of a trial? Put your hands up really high. Just come out. Okay, so the rest of you, one is coming. Or two or three. We're all in one of those three places. And just by the raising of the hands... Remind you, you're not alone in the human realm. You're not alone. It's not just you. It's not just your situation. It's not just you. God, God has allowed this in all of our lives in one degree or another. And it's hard to conceive in our minds the benefits of the current trial that we're in. That's normal. You're not weird or awkward for feeling that way. It's hard to conceive what God could possibly do And what is he doing? But as you ask the question, that question takes you back to God. It's not a bad question to ask. What or why? Why now? Why this? Why? Why? It's not a bad question to ask because even as unbelievers ask that question, the why question leads credence that there is a plan and a purpose to your life. And it doesn't make sense in your mind. You don't see the full picture. Why? Now, we have to understand that the answer to that question isn't always going to be given to us this side of eternity. We need to learn to be content, not just with the why question. And if you happen to be asking that question today, I would like to add another question to you that will bring some sense of comfort and encouragement to you, and that's simply this. Who is your God? That's an easier question to ask. answer, isn't it? Who? If God is your God, then there's a plan and a purpose that he's working out, including patience patience. James is telling us today that we can rejoice in the Lord, counting it all joy, not for the trial, but for the result of the trial, for the God of the trial. I don't believe God in any place is saying, be happy that you're going through this right now. Be happy for the pain and the sorrow and all. No, no, no. He's saying this, look, although I might despise the tool, I love the God who's holding the tool. I love the God that's going to bring something out of this, that's going to keep his promise when he says that he's going to work all things together for the good, for those that love him. Those are called according to his purpose. I might despise the trial, but I love the God who allows it. I can rejoice in the Lord that his ultimate purposes are being worked out in my life, even if there is a pruning going on. Like Jesus spoke of in John 15, a pruning, where he says and speaks of us as branches in the vine, Jesus, with a great father, the vine dresser, that takes care of us. And there are just those times when there's a pruning taking place, a cutting away. Why? So that we might bear more fruit in our lives for the sake of the kingdom and for the sake of God's will and purpose on the earth. We're a part of something so much larger and so much grander that it's always too soon to quit. God is working in your life. Well, how do you get through it? Which is a good question to ask. The Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco is built directly upon the large San Andreas earthquake fault. Now, growing up in California, we were always warned, the big one's coming. Watch out for the big one. And I remember as a kid doing drills and going under the desks for an earthquake drill or standing in the doorway which never made a lot of sense to me 
to think of standing in that little skinny doorway with everything falling around me that I wouldn't somehow. But I did it anyway. Whatever they told me to do, I did it anyway. I remember the time watching the news on the way to work early in the morning. Actually, I was heading off to a college course that morning, and I was watching the news, and the big earthquake, the Northridge earthquake was going on, and the guy that was doing the news, he ran under the desk so quickly. And it always shocked me that the guy, the gal next to him, and the one with the camera, they stayed strong. <laughs> I remember it like it was Kent Shotnick. You can look it up on YouTube. He's running under the desk doing the drill where everyone else was doing their job. It was just, whoa. I remember my dad even once with the San Andreas Fault line coming through California, always warning us about the big one and that one day, son, Cal- that earthquake will come and California will float off into the Pacific Ocean. Well, it hasn't happened yet, but the guys that decided to build a bridge in San Francisco, they all decided, well, let's build it over the San Andreas Fault. And that's what they did. And a group of engineers came together to make the best bridge that they possibly could. And they engineered this bridge to sway, to be flexible, some 20 feet at the center of its one-mile suspension span. It can go 20 feet either way to move with the earth. They say that the secret to the bridge's durability is its flexibility that enables this sway. But that's not all. By design, every part of the bridge, from its concrete roadway to its steel railings to its crossbeams, is related from one welded joint to the other up through the vast cable system to two great towers that are anchored with the two great land anchor piers deep into the bedrock of the ground. The towers bear most of the weight and they're deeply embedded into the rock foundation beneath the sea. And in other words, the bridge is totally preoccupied with its foundation and that, my friends, is its secret its flexibility, and its foundation. And I suggest to you today that that will be the secret of your tenacity and endurance and patience in the midst of trials as you let patient have its perfect work by having the right deep foundation and being flexible with what comes your way. The Golden Gate Bridge has done its job for many years. It wasn't just a few years ago that I, for the very first time, crossed over that bridge on a short little family vacation where we, of all the years we lived in California, never visited San Francisco. But a few years ago, we had the privilege to teach near there. And I took a day and we went up to San Francisco and the bridge is still there. And let me say this. I have been around long enough in our community serving the Lord and a believer long enough with friends and family around the country, around the world, where I have seen men and women with deep rock foundations upon the rock of Jesus Christ and a flexibility that has enabled them to deal with the winds and the storms of life that they too are still standing today as a testimony of the faithfulness of God. And they encourage me and they strengthen my resolve and my faith in the God who gave himself for me. I commend you the teaching of Jesus when he gives us the choice of how to build our lives by giving us the picture of two people that built two houses. I'm sure the houses look similar. We know that the houses, they endured the same storms, the same difficulties, the same things beat upon those those houses, but they chose two different places to build. 
one built on the sand and one built on the rock. And it was the one on the flimsy sand who lost everything. But the one on the foundation, the one that chose the narrow way, the one that committed their lives to the one who loves them, the solid rock and foundation of Jesus Christ, their house stood. Why is this all important in our study of John 16? Well, go back there with me because we are in the intimate discipleship of Jesus Christ to his disciples. He's preparing them for the worst few days of their lives. He's equipping them to handle his crucifixion, his betrayal, his torture, his people coming and hired to lie against him, to say all sorts of false things against him openly, to be taken and scourged and beaten by Roman guards one after another with the full force of the cat of nine tails, to be stripped almost naked, to have his clothing being gambled over, who will take it home, to have him bloodied and unrecognizable, nailed to a Roman cross to sit at the side of a road between two thieves, innocent, dying a horrific death for the forgiveness of his own accusers and murderers and for every other sinner that would ever come after or who's ever come before. Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for that fateful day, and they're having a hard time with it. Hearing Jesus talk about it for them is a trial in and of itself. They're emotional. In a moment, we'll see how confused they are. And Jesus is wanting to help them see that no matter what they see or feel, God is accomplishing his will. And it's important for us to remember this. It's important for us to cling to this because there are just going to be times in our lives that are hard and difficult and unfair. Times when I'm not happy. Times when joy is elusive. Times when family cannot help as much as we would want them to. When friends won't help. Or even worse, when the revelation of people that you thought were friends actually aren't friends at all and might even be the source of the pain that you're feeling. Times where freedoms are taken away. Times when our focus is lost. Where we're unable to see the silver lining in the clouds. Where we're unable to conceive what could possibly happen. What could, how could the crucifixion of Jesus possibly be any good? How can losing my best friend have any benefit in my life? And yet Jesus is teaching them no matter what comes our way, we have the friend of all friends, Jesus Christ. We have faith in a faithful creator. Pastor Ed Taylor is developing his study of John's gospel right now on Abounding Grace. Thanks for taking part in today's Bible study. To hear it again, visit our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com or you can hear us through our app and podcast. Well, Pastor Ed, this is our first opportunity to tell our listeners about the pick of the month, five-minute apologetics for today. If you had to describe it in one minute, what would you say? I'd say it's a book you need to get if you're interested in understanding your faith 
and having a solid answer for people that have real valid questions. Ron Rhodes put this book together, 365 quick answers to key questions so that believers don't get confused about doctrine and you don't get confused about knowledge that surrounds or backgrounds that surrounds solid teaching, but also false teaching. Uh, And whether it's atheistic objections to Christianity or topics of evolution and creation or alleged contradictions or general accusations against the Bible, all of it is in this and it's broken down day by day. What a great devotional uh, to pick up and begin, even if you don't use it devotionally, just pick it up and begin to read about various truths and topics that will encourage your faith. And whether you support abounding grace or not, we're grateful that you would want to grow in your understanding of God's Word. You can request 5-Minute Apologetics by Ron Rhodes today at calvaryco.store or call 877-30-GRACE. We'll send it to you with our thanks with a gift of $25 or more to help us remain a biblical voice on this station of yours. Join us each day on Abounding Grace as we go and grow through a study in John with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.